Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Citizens of Perfectville, there might be less football being played, but Bet Online has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season. From scored, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And with the new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website. To sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, just use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. And it's not just football, no. BetOnline's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online where the game starts. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your now head coached Miami Dolphins, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I am Sam Marcou, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about the good doctor himself, Dr. Christopher Cullen. Doctor, how in the hell are you, my friend? Sam, I am happier than a pig in shit, buddy. All right, it's me living in North Carolina. That's a term for y'all West Coasters out there. Dude, I am so pumped. We got our coach. We got exactly what I wanted, a guy that's fun at press conferences, that loves our team and our players, that will adjust his offense and defense accordingly based on your your uh, your players that you have around you, someone that's uh, you know bright, young, uh, fiery, and excited. I couldn't be – it literally couldn't be happier. This was my pick from the beginning. Um, and then he goes on and has this fucking awesome press conference where he makes, you know, I think he's making too many Will Smith welcome to Miami jokes. Like, but other than that, man, uh, he's checked every box so far. I'm pumped. How about you? Uh, well, for those that are not familiar, of course, Chris is talking about the new head coach for the Miami Dolphins, Mr. Mike McDaniel, uh, who was, uh, made the head coach, I believe on Sunday. Uh, so a little bit earlier this week. Uh, had his introductory press conference on Thursday, where he did make yet some more Will Smith uh, references there from Welcome to Miami. And uh, yeah, I'm pumped. I'm pumped that this is over. I mean, uh, everyone else is getting very impatient about this head coaching search. I was not. It, it, you had mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, Chris. Once they didn't bring Brian Dayball in and offer him the job back when that was closing in for the Giants, I think they sort of made it known that they wanted Mike McDaniel and, you know, we don't really trust Steven Ross on this program anymore, but Steven Ross came out yesterday during the press conference and said that he had coaches from around the league, including from the NFC West that were calling him and telling him how great a hire Mike McDaniel would be. And when he asked those coaches, why are you telling me this? Their response, Chris, I thought was very telling. It's because we want him out of the division. We don't want to deal with him anymore. We don't want to deal with his schemes. We're hoping that whoever replaces him on the 49ers isn't as good, isn't as genius as Mike McDaniel. Turns out that was Sean McVay. It was Matt LaFleur, his old buddies from the Washington coaching staff way back in the day, but they know him better than others. And for them to reach out, obviously part of it is helping their friend get a job, but for them to reach out and say, this is such a great hire, uh, speaks volumes to what Mike McDaniel is going to bring to the Miami Dolphins. And let's talk a little bit about that, Chris, because right off the bat, 
look, the Miami Dolphins have had bad press pretty much every year since Steven Ross has come on board. And especially recently with the firing of Brian Flores and all the fallout from there. The PR team, the media team has been absolutely killing it for the Miami Dolphins ever since Mike McDaniel was named head coach. I mean, first they dropped the bomb that he is the head coach. Then they have basically 24 hour coverage, Chris, of Mike McDaniel getting on a plane, flying to Miami, getting off the plane with his family, checking out the facility. I mean, what were your first impressions once we started seeing those videos drop of Mike McDaniel suited and booted and coming to South Florida? It was just a buffet of shit you want to see in the offseason when you get a new coach. They did a wonderful job um, of producing it, uh, putting it out there for us to see. I watched that video of him walking through the hallway naming Larry Zonka and uh, Ricky Williams like over and over and over again. Uh, he seemed so genuine, too. You know, he's like, wow, nameplate already. You guys work fast. And um, just his daughter, that picture of her looking up, like, dude, that picture is probably your, your dad. Um, one of the coolest pitchers. Like, it was so cute. It was so damn adorable. And uh, he signed the contract. Uh, he calls Tua, FaceTimes Tua on the plane, like literally uh, answered every question before he even literally landed in Miami if Tua's the guy. We don't have to go through that bullshit anymore um, this offseason because he's literally like FaceTiming the leader and the captain of the offense. Uh, just 10 out of 10, well done, Miami Dolphins. It was uh, – it was exciting in a time where normally news is slow. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think it was by design on many levels. I, I'm curious how much Mike McDaniel wanted to be released if he had any sort of say as to drop this then, drop this now, or if it was really just the Miami PR team. Whoever it is, kudos to that team. Because, you know, one of the articles I wrote last week, Chris, about Mike McDaniel is how he can win over South Beach, how he can win over the Miami Dolphins without ever coaching a game. Right. So basically from now until week one of the next season. And one of the things I said in there is just announce that Tua is your guy. Just make Tua your guy. And he did that. And it was funny, Chris, because I put three things on there. I said, bring back the old logo full time. Make Tua your starting quarterback. Basically take that question off the table. And then I had another one about putting, you know, essentially staff members on his team, which we're going to talk about uh, former Miami Dolphins players. And I actually named somebody in that article that's going to be on the Miami Dolphins staff. We'll talk about that in segment number two. I almost added a fourth thing, Chris, and I took it off because I was lazy and I didn't want to. People like threes, fives, sevens, and tens. They don't like top four things. It's kind of weird. But the fourth thing was going to be embrace the new media, meaning podcasts, meaning Twitter, meaning Reddit, meaning all the new ways that fans can interact with coaches and players and entertainment types. And he's done that too. I mean, he sat down with Travis Wingfield. He basically acknowledged that his wife has been Twitter peeping everybody out there for the last couple of weeks. So she understands what Dolphins Twitter looks like now, which means he understands what it looks like now. He's embracing you know, what this new media is and how the Miami Dolphins fan base interacts with Dolphins, the Miami Dolphins in general. So yeah, he talked to reporters. He had some awesome uh, responses, which were basically fuck off responses to some uh, certain reporters out there who have already become butthurt and have already claimed that he's the next Adam Gase. But we'll talk about Omar Kelly another time. Um, he's addressed some of the bullshit that has already come up about his, you know, his, his race and all that other crap. I mean, I, 
I don't know if I give him a 10 out of 10 on that press conference, Chris, but I give him, you know, maybe an eight. I said seven on Twitter. I'm going to go with an eight. He seemed very nervous, thanking everybody up front. Obviously a huge responsibility when you have to stand in front of everyone there and go, wow, this is now my job. This is the dream that I always had. And here it is. I'm in the moment. Let me just sink it in a little bit. So he seemed a little shaky. Didn't seem like himself, Um, but he was also getting, once he got into the football talk, Chris, he seemed more comfortable. You could tell he was a little more snappy with his and witty with his responses. He was getting into some really, really good nuggets that we're going to touch on here in this. We've already got some questions answered. Number one, with that media of Tua, right? I said he should go to the podium and say, Tua is my starter. He did better. He released a video of him talking to Tua saying, my job is to make you great. You're going to look back on this day and say, this is the best thing that ever happened in my career. Pretty strong endorsement, something Tua hasn't had since he came to the Miami Dolphins. Um, But you talked about the press conference. What was the thing that came out in that press conference that made you go, okay, confirmed, this is my guy? Well, and at the sake of getting made made fun of, um, I teared up. All right. I really did. So here's the line in, in um, I'm paraphrasing, uh, but uh, this is the line that, that sold me hook, line and sinker. When someone asked why take over a team that hasn't won a playoff game in 20 years, he said, why not? Yeah. And he said, instead of looking at it as this franchise is cursed and it's bad, why would I go to a bad team? I'm going to be the fucking guy that wins that game. And he brought, he mentioned us, dude, he mentioned the fans. He said, the fan base is so passionate and for them to be passionate and they haven't won a playoff game in 20, 20 years. He's like, that just gives me all the motivation and how great it's going to be when we do right there. I was like, shit, that's what I'm talking about. No more. Like I'm so done talking about the 72 team. I'm so done talking about the, the, the early two thousands, Ricky Williams and what, what could have been of that defense right here right now he said what's that have to do with this year and that is like what sold me hook line and sinker he's a little shaky a little nervous other than that when he talks shop and he said it he said it in the press conference he's like i don't major in in interviewing and in, in talking i major in football and building relationships and when you see george kittle and kyle Yuschek facetiming him on the sideline in the middle of a pro bowl to say hey coach i scored a touchdown like are you kidding me? That's middle school stuff, but that's not middle school stuff. That's, that's relationships. And that's those guys. The first person they thought of, let's call coach Mike in the middle of the game. And what does Mike say in perfect? I love you fashion. Yeah, I know, bro. I was watching. Of course he yeah. was. Those yeah. Guys like that. And we have him now. Like I'm just totally sold. You know, most coaches have this confidence that they're, you know, smarter than everybody else when they're really not. I mean, they make really boneheaded, stupid mistakes. Mike McDaniel has come out and kind of said, look, I'm kind of smarter than the rest of you. And he does it in a way that doesn't make you feel really stupid unless you know what you're looking for. And then you go, oh, yeah, he just made that guy feel really stupid. And he did that to Omar Kelly, which is interesting because Omar Kelly has already come out and said he's the next, you know, probably going to be the next Adam Gase, which is obviously a shot. He's already made it known that he doesn't like Mike McDaniel. And I think it has to do with the fact that Omar Kelly tried to pigeonhole in that press conference that Mike McDaniel's offense is a certain way. And Mike McDaniel, in a very genius type way, said, I appreciate where you're going with that question. However, which is his way of saying, no, you're wrong. And it's a stupid fucking question, but I can't really say that on day one. So instead, I'm going to say it in super Yale smart way and pivot it to something else. And what I really liked, I, I agree with you. One of the one of the the sound bites of that entire press conference was essentially like you said, you know, why are you the coach that's going to make the dolphins win a playoff game for the first time in 20 years? And he looked right at the guy and said, why not? 
you know, why not me? Why not us? You know, it, it's a perfect way. And if you're a player and you're listening to that, I think you're like, absolutely right. Why not? Why can't we do this? So that aside, one of the other things that I absolutely love that he said, Chris, was that if, if you aren't, you know, somebody basically they talked to him about, he's only worked in one system, which is the West Coast offense. And what he was really saying was, well, yeah, that's true. But also, if you look at the people that have come into that offense, and he referenced RG3 uh, when he was in Washington, and he said, we changed how we actually scheme because of what Robert Griffin III is good at. You know, when we get to Jimmy Garoppolo, we change how we scheme because of what Jimmy Garoppolo is good at. We change our scheme and our patterns and our play design based on the talent that we have available to us. And I thought right there, that's it. That is the Don Shula-esque quality that has been missing is that, you know, Jimmy Johnson came in here and said, he's going to run the ball. He's going to run the ball. We're going to get a thousand yard rusher. That's how we're going to win. When he had Dan Marino there and he forced Dan Marino (laughs) to not be Dan Marino as much. Jimmy Johnson or Don Shula was a run first defense first coach until he got Dan Marino and then went, ah, maybe I'm going to let this guy throw the ball. He seems pretty good. Mike McDaniel seems like he's a little bit that way. You know, he referenced a lot. He needs to coach. There's a lot of coaching that needs to happen. There's coaching, coaching, coaching that needs to happen. He didn't say there was a lack of talent. It basically said there was a lack of coaching, which is Probably correct, by the way. I mean, I don't think it's a pot shot at Brian Flores and his team. It's the facts. So he's going to take a look at two. He's going to take a look at Jalen Waddle, which, by the way, awesome quote on Dan Levitar today about Jalen Waddle from the coach. He's going to take a look at, you know, Mike Kosicki and everyone else and say, here's what I got. Here's what I can do. Now let's go make that happen. And I love that. That was the part to me that stood out was I'm going to change my scheme to fit the talents of the Miami Dolphins. You have to do that or else you're going to have a rebuild every time you bring in a coach. When he said that and he said, you know how much experience my staff had in read option when we drafted RG3? Zero. And he paused and put a damn O up, a right to O, Mark Kelly. And like you were right, totally passively aggressively. I've had private messages with guys that are pretty close with the Miami media, and they have told me pretty much, this guy has no idea what he's fucking talking about. So I guarantee you he understood half of it. Maybe of what Coach McDaniel was saying. Look, I think it was a complete. The only thing that failed in the press conference was the questions. Like it was just you have nothing but local media. There's no Jim Trotters. There's no uh, Stacy Dales. There's no uh, you know uh, Tom Pelissero. It's all the local like TV station guys and uh, Fox Sports at seven. You know, with Bo Jim Bob like asking questions. They didn't get into like specifics, which we will. Um, you know, staff and who he's going to bring in, who he feels comfortable with. Um, so I think I think he handled it well. As soon as they started talking shop, he, he did great with it. Um, did a really good job in the beginning of. Um, <laughs> um, I thought it was so weird. So did we not notice that Chris Greer didn't say like so like welcome to the team, Coach McDaniel, come on up. He just was like I'm excited to work with this guy. The podium, and then it just like awkwardly like quietly like <laughs> he stood there and then went like with his hand to the guy to bring the podium back after pitchers. Um, one one little nugget I will mention that I thought this was great. Um, when he said, uh, no red flags at all, absolutely none. And that, um, Stephen Ross, uh, there is no cost to how much he wants to win. Michael, <laughs> read the room, buddy. That, I thought that was great. We were texting each other as soon as it happened. There's no cost. Yeah, of course there isn't. But uh, all in all, uh, eight, eight out of 10, you're right. I mean, uh, the way the media handled everything, 10 out of 10, press conference specifically, eight out of 10. And, and it's just only going to get better from here. The guy interviews great. 
Well, technically, Mike McDaniel's correct. And I think he knew exactly what he was saying. There is no cost to how much Stephen Ross will pay to win. Uh, there is a cost on losses, however, but uh, we'll talk <laughs> about that another day. Uh, no, I, I thought he did. A, he had a really, really, really good, you know, strong first week for the Miami Dolphins. Um, and then uh, the staff is starting to round out. So we're going to talk. We're going to come back. We're going to pay some bills. And we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the staffing issue because he's already gone step one. He's already introduced himself. He's already said two is the guy. He's already talked about his philosophy of football and coaching. And then we're going to come back because everyone wants to know, well, first time head coach. Oh, that was the other thing. We kind of buried the lead here, Chris. He's calling the plays. You know, he, he, that was the other thing that people want to know. Are you calling the plays or not? And he gave a very good explanation as to why he wants to call the plays and what he needs around him if he's going to be calling the plays as the head coach. And oh, furthermore, you're seeing a lot of reports come out of the San Francisco market here, Chris, that he called plays last year. So people don't know what the fuck they're talking about. He called the plays and then Kyle Shanahan would have the ability to override or change should he see fit. But Mike McDaniel called the plays last year for the uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. And then one last thing in this press conference, because we do have to go pay some bills is uh, I think one of my favorite low-key moments is when they talked about, what did you see for the Miami Dolphins? Have you looked at film? And he kind of looked at them and was like, well, I'm the head coach. I, I, I would like to think that I watched some film on this team before I got the job. I hope I job. would, and I did. I hope I would, and I did. And he referenced the 2020 game where the Miami Dolphins did play the San Francisco 49ers, and he said, well, we don't really need to talk about that game very much because he was obviously on the offensive side for the Niners. The Dolphins won. And then he turned real quick, and this is the personality that you're talking about, Chris, and you said, ah, screw it. I'm the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. We kicked the 49ers something, something. So he took ownership of that Miami Dolphins team, even though he wasn't a part of it. Obviously, you know, gave us some insight. In long game. Yeah. And, and it kind of dives into what we're going to talk about after the break here is that he, he saw a defense that he didn't want to play. And I thought that was very telling about why maybe some staff decisions have been made on the defensive side of the ball that we're going to talk about right after these words. Ladies and gentlemen, what I'm about to say might shock you. But the greatest quarterback of all time is not just a goat on the field. He's a goat when it comes to investing, too. He invests in stocks, crypto, and even art. Now, you can invest just like the goat with Masterworks. Masterworks is the investing platform that lets you buy shares representing an investment in art from icons like Picasso, Monet, and even Warhol. And even greater, art price outpaced the S&P 500 by 164% from 1992 to 2021. That's right, 164%. In fact, early investors already received over 30% IIR 2020 and 2021 from the sale of two paintings. This is your opportunity to join 300,000 other members and invest like the GOAT. Get priority access with their game day promo. Go to masterworks.art slash believe. See important disclosures at masterwork.art slash disclaimer. All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Perfectville. Sam Marcu, Chris Cole, and Believe Podcast Network. And we're talking about Mike McDaniel. The story for the Miami Dolphins for the past week has been Mike McDaniel. And kind of the secondary story, Chris, is once you have Mike McDaniel in place, what does that staff look like? First time head coach, is he going to have veterans across the way? Is he going to keep people that were from the last regime? Is he going to have a bunch of young people around him and he's going to be the Lord and dictator? What does that look like? And I think we're getting a pretty good idea now, Chris, as to what the offensive and defensive side of the ball is going to look like in terms of his coaching staff. Let's start with the defensive side of the ball. Lots of rumors about Vic Fangio coming to the Miami Dolphins. That is not going to happen. He keeps Josh Boyer, defensive coordinator from Brian Flores era as his defensive coordinator first year for Mike McDaniel, pretty much solidifying the fact that the defensive side of the ball, which is the strength of the Miami Dolphins, is going to remain pretty similar 
to what we had in 2020 and 2021. Um, some controversy about Josh Boyer. Was he actually responsible for that defense or did Brian Flores take over midway? And that's why you saw that shift in terms of the defense looking good. We'll get into that. Um, he's kept the linebackers coach. He kept the defensive um, defensive uh, cornerbacks coach, I should say. He also has kept the uh, defensive line coach. So we're seeing a lot of places. The defensive line coach for the for the Miami Dolphins worked wonders with Raquan Davis and uh, Christian Wilkins and everybody uh, along that line. Adam Butler Random is another White, one. 92. Zach Sealer, Random White, 92. I mean, you look at the defensive line for the Miami Dolphins. They've done fantastic. So I like seeing that continuity. That also helps because Christian Wilkins comes up for a contract next year. Now we're seeing continuity. We're seeing people that were as productive as they've ever been last year, keeping the same coach, probably keeping the same system. So I get, and I understand what they're doing here. Uh, One name, notable name that's going away, Gerald Alexander. And we'll talk about that in just a minute, but your thoughts on Josh Boyer remaining the defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins. Well, we'll get into the offensive side in a second. This is actually going to be a reason why my argument or my my thoughts on this are, are, have changed. Um, I was worried at first. I was like, maybe this guy doesn't have the pool that we thought you know to get the, to build a staff. That was a lot of people's questions because he's been around Kyle Shanahan pretty much his whole career and just traveled with him. How many guys can he bring in? Um, and, but looking at the offensive side, which we'll get into, he's got plenty of pool and many guys want to work with him. So I'm not worried about it. And that's not the case. I actually love this. I think it's a smart calculated move on this guy's part. Why mess up? What's not broken, right? Why fix it? if It's not broke. Our defense was fantastic last year. I mean, other than their stretch there where, uh, changes had to be made. Um, we have the, the, the players. We know that we have X, we have Byron Jones. We have two amazing young safeties, uh, great linebackers, uh, and we have draft picks and free agency to, to patch that up if we need be. Um, so keep the continuity, like you said, uh, especially if it's people he can work with. I mean, that's just smart. And if he's as good as everybody says he is with relationships, he can come in there. And and God, I mean, God's honest truth. I mean, what were the rumors, right? No, starting in November, Flores stopped talking to his staff. Yeah. He's alienating them. This guy's going to come in and bring a box of donut holes and like some coffee and like make some jokes. They might fucking love this guy. And they're going to be like, holy shit, it's so much better to come to work every day. I'm, I'm enjoying the office environment because these guys are in there watching tape, breaking shit down, having, uh, you know, individual meetings with the head coach. And if he's just beating you down the whole time, who wants that? And the fact that they want to stay and they're sticking around, I think it's only going to help our players. And then he can jump in and really not worry about the defense as much and really perfect that offense. Because as we all know, that was the, uh, the, the part of the team holding us back. Yeah, and we're going we're gonna to turn the ball over to the offensive side of the staff here in just a second. But before we do, we do have to talk about at least one guy who a lot of people have a lot of respect for, including myself as a coach, and that's Gerald Alexander. He was the defensive backs coach for the Miami Dolphins under Brian Flores the last two seasons. Brandon Jones has already come out and said thank you to Gerald Alexander for helping him in his career, early in his career. Gerald Alexander was fired by the Miami Dolphins, and he was fired. Now, he was going to interview, and he did interview as for the defensive coordinator position for the Jacksonville Jaguars, did not get it. He will land on his feet. He is in a very good coach. However, Gerald Alexander is also somebody who's very loyal to Brian Flores, and that's fine. You can have friends. You can have people that have given you a break that have helped you along your way. Gerald Alexander loves Brian Flores. He's made that very clear on social media, and that's totally fine. There's a couple of things though, Chris. I noticed that his wife was actually talking quite a bit about how Brian Flores maybe wasn't the guy calling the plays and Josh Boyer was. So maybe 
for everyone that's worried about Josh Boyer, maybe he was actually more influential for that defensive turnaround than Brian Flores was, or maybe as equal parts, or maybe he learned from Brian Flores because he wasn't doing well and got better as the season went on. So we're going to find out because he's going to be here going forward. But this is a telling quote because people are trying to figure out why Gerald Alexander may have been fired. It has to do with the fact that he was loyal to Brian Flores. I don't think he wanted to be here anymore. This is a quote that was dug up here. This comes from Gerald Alexander. People get anointed as genius and quote unquote football masterminds. But at the end of the day, it comes down to players making plays. Miss me with that genius talk. Now, I wonder who he could be talking about. Now, this was in late January. At this point, Mike McDaniel was pretty much a finalist, if not already known to be the head coach. And if you're inside the organization, you may have been tipped off that Mike McDaniel is the front runner to be the next head coach. And the words football mastermind and genius have been thrown around quite a bit when you're talking about Mike McDaniel. So when you start looking at social media and you start looking at your coaches that you might be inheriting, maybe talking crap about you because they're loyal to the old coach. Well, sorry, you got to go. You can't be here. You can't be here and poison the rest of the staff. You can't be here and undermine my authority. You can't be here, period. No, and that's the first I'm hearing of that. Um, I, I would be interested to see if that was a win that was tweeted out, if it was during maybe a playoff game and maybe he's talking about a coach of the team that lost or something and not McDaniel, but it is pretty coincidental that he gets fired when the new boy genius wonder comes in as the head coach. Uh, you're right, though. You can't have that in the locker room. You can't have that guy you know, behind closed doors. We all know how it is in an office environment, at school, on, a, in, on any team. If you have that, it's just a cancer, and it can eat you from the inside. So um, good coach. Like you said, he'll land on his feet. Um, but uh, I don't know, uh, to, to almost quote him, I don't know if we're going to miss Gerald Alexander too much. I mean, how good of a DB's coach was he? He's got Xavier Howard and Byron Jones and Javon Holland. Yeah, well, I mean, he. I think he's a pretty good coach. I, I'm not going to take that away. From right. Him. I'm just saying, you know, are we going to be, are we missing, you know, Jimmy Johnson in his prime or Sean, you know, I don't know, Sean Payton in his prime? Well, here, here, here is <clears throat> to, to answer your question because I just looked it up. That that tweet was sent out January 22nd. That happened to be the day the Niners and the Packers were playing. That happened to be a 13 to 10 Niners victory. Not the greatest offensive output ever. But the offensive coordinator for that Niners team was Mike McDaniel. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is a thinly veiled shot at our new head coach. And considering the fact that Mike McDaniel has already said that he's got his wife spying on Twitter, he said that during the press conference. I'm pretty sure this probably came up when they said uh, during the exit interview, by the way, uh, thank you for the uh, the justification for you to move elsewhere. You can't have that. You just can't. So Gerald Alexander, goodbye from Perfectville. I like to think Mike McDaniel sat down and he just like slid the tweet, printed out the piece of paper, and he's or, or he asked him, he's like, "Would you still like to stay on the Miami Dolphins?" And he's like, "Yeah, sir, I think we can work together." He's like, "Miss me with that." Yeah, have a good day. It'd be great. If Mike McDaniel's like, "Hey, I just followed you on Twitter, and I'm gonna like this specific tweet from January 22nd. I couldn't like it in the time because I was beating the Packers in Green Bay in the playoffs. You piece of shit. No, um, but no, that I mean, I think that's why. I don't think Gerald Alexander wanted to be here, and I don't think the Dolphins wanted him here. So, parting is probably mutual, even though specifically he was fired. Call it that. All right, moving on to the offensive side. Well, first of all, let's go to the special teams. Let's just do that because let's just get that out of the way because we can't ignore special teams because there is not a podcast out there that talks more about punters and kickers than Sam and Chris because we are 
the punter kicker specialist. But speaking of special teams, Mike McDaniel, um, much like he did with a lot of defensive uh, assistant coaches, has decided to keep the special teams coach whose name I don't even remember. Didn't even commit it to memory. But I will say this. There's nothing about the Miami Dolphins special teams in 2021 that was special to me. Jason Sanders had a bad year. Mike Pilardi was okay. Our kickoff and punt coverage and return teams didn't do anything great. So I don't know why this guy gets to keep a job other than maybe McDaniel's like, I don't have time for this. I got to make bigger problems on offense. Just do better, please. And leave me alone. Yeah. He might've looked at it and said, that was just an off year. They have nowhere to go, but up at this point. And, um, uh, yeah, who knows with the analytical type of thinking, if he's like, how much comes into, you know, special teams. Um, I don't think we are great. I don't think we're horrible. So it's just like one of those things, like, I, I don't even want to waste. I've interviewed way too many people. You just stick around. Yeah. I mean, outside of Darren Rizzi, I couldn't even t- give you another, uh, you know, person that I would like. I, I can't be like, oh, well, you know, John Smith is a better special teams coach because they know how to wedge block better on kickoff return. I don't know. I just don't know any of that. I'm not. I'm not, I didn't go to Yale. I'll put it that way. So I'm going to trust the Yale graduate head coach. By the says. way, per, per Mike McDaniel, um, Yale produces sick ass athletes. <laughs> there <laughs> you go. Such a good quote. Such a good quote. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move to the offensive side of the ball because this is what everyone wants to know. Who's going to be the offensive coordinator? How are they going to work with Tua? What are, how are they going to deal with Mike Gesicki? You know, I think that's been a huge bone of contention here recently. Who's going to be the quote next Debo Samuel? And uh, we do have some news here, ladies and gentlemen. We have uh, decided to keep one of the co-offensive coordinators from last year, uh, and that would be Eric Studisville. Studisville. Uh, he is going to go back to being the running backs coach. Uh, Chris, your thoughts on the co-OC being knocked back down to the RB coach? Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, great. <laughs> I guess our run game has been terrible, and that's Mike McDaniel's. <laughs> Um, specialty. So hopefully he's just like, Hey, uh, if we keep Gaskin, he likes you. Right. And he's like, yeah, he does. And he's like, all right, cool. Uh, you just stay put, uh, be friendly with him, And I'm going to make a lot of changes. Yeah. I I'd like to see, uh, Eric Studisville have some actual running backs to work with and a running game to work sure. with to, before <laughs> we judge him as a bad running backs coach, he wasn't a very good OC and that has been taken from him. He's not going to be calling plays. Mike McDaniel is going to be the de facto OC in many ways. Uh, but just some other people, some 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 names that people may or may not be familiar with. John Embry was the assistant head coach and tight ends coach in San Francisco with Mike McDaniel under Kyle Shanahan. He is joining the Miami Dolphins in the same role, role tight ends coach and assistant head coach, has former head coach experience at the college level, has worked with many tight ends that people are aware of. Um, I'm excited. I think this is a, an opportunity to see what he can do with Mike Gesicki. Uh, if Mike Kosicki comes back to the Miami Dolphins, I expect that John Embry is going to have a huge hand in changing or evolving Mike Kosicki into a more complete player or at least into a more complete weapon for the Miami Dolphins in 2022 and beyond. I love this hire. I love this hire. George Kittle came out and said he literally is the reason he has had such a successful NFL career. Um, he's pushed him. He's coached him. He's been a friend. Like, I mean, all, all these common themes I'm seeing from these coaches, including Mike McDaniel, um, played tight end in the league, um, was a head coach, I think, at Colorado, yep. uh, Colorado State. Um, so this guy is, is Sam. I, I mean, I, that's why I was happier than big and shit. But this is exactly what I said I wanted him to bring in guys with head coaching experience to be assistants that he can lean on or he knows they're handling it. Like I want it to be handled because that's their expectation too. less things I have to worry about to, to, to delegate and to micromanage. 
um, which is beautiful. So he comes in. Um, I think he's going to be huge for Smythe, for, for Gusecki, for Long. Maybe he'll get the most out of Long as well. Um, uh, huge hire. Very fantastic. And there's a common theme I'm going to bring up when you bring up the next guy um, that I love. And it just proves why I wasn't worried about the defense. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny you say Hunter Long, too. I found out that his old teammates used to call him Baby Gronk, which is an interesting uh, talent evaluation of a guy who we haven't seen much talent on the field yet. But maybe this gets unlocked because of Mike McDaniel. Maybe this gets unlocked because of John Embry. But you just mentioned a name. George Kittle credits John Embry with the development. You know, he came in as a coach the same year that George Kittle came into the league and they've been working together. And George Kittle is, you know, one of the top three tight ends in the entire league, if not higher than that. Uh, a common theme, I want you guys to keep that in mind. George Kittle, one of the best tight ends in the league, praises this coach. George Kittle, after scoring a touchdown, calls our head, new head coach and says, guess what I just did? Keep that in mind because Debo Samuel, that's the name that everyone's trying to replicate right now across the league. And the Miami Dolphins are tied to that because of Mike McDaniel. Everyone keeps saying, who's going to be the next Debo Samuel? Is it Jalen Waddell? Is it somebody else? Is it Lynn Bowden Jr.? Who is that next Debo Samuel? Debo Samuel was asked recently, Chris, who on the Niners coaching staff is going to be the next Mike McDaniel? Now that he's gone, who steps up and is going to be the next guy who is that genius? And his answer was Wes Welker. He said, Wes Welker gives him tips every single game in the entire wide receiver room as to how to make them better. It just makes sense. The things that he talks about, they're able to implement it that day in the game. And he is going to be that next Mike McDaniel. Well, I'm happy to hear that because Wes Welker is leaving the 49ers in terms of being the wide receivers coach and coming back to Miami in the same role, which has to tell you something, by the way, that he's leaving for a lateral move to the Miami Dolphins versus the San Francisco 49ers. So that second up next man up genius that Debo Samuel credits is with the Miami Dolphins as well. Wes Welker, welcome back to Perfectville. It's been a long time. Yeah, and that's the common theme I wanted to bring up is John Embry, tight ends coach of San Francisco, lateral move tight ends coach in Miami. Wes Welker, wide receivers coach in San Francisco, wide receivers coach in Miami. Listen, they're not getting promotions, dude. Now, maybe they're paid a little bit more. They're doing the same job, but they're following Mike McDaniel because they have to and want to be on his staff that speaks wonders he didn't have to make welker oc he didn't have to make uh, john Embry. you know like assistant he already was assistant head coach i mean this is the kind of thing that just you love to see it proves what everybody's saying is correct that he builds relationships and people want to coach with him play for him and uh it's just, it's just wonderful i i west walker's back you have a guy that two guys tight ends coach and receivers coach that played it Right. So they see it the same way the players do. That's what Debo means by real time in the game. We can make corrections, fix stuff, go talk to the quarterback, tell them what we're seeing. There's a video one of our one of the Dolphins uh, Twitter people posted of uh, Wes Welker mic'd up at San Francisco practice uh, last season. By the way, he ran sprints with Debo Samuel afterwards, which is fantastic. Uh, but he he was able to um, tell uh, he was yelling mid play that he wants him to make the DB think uh, to undercut him so he can then make an out with a whip out uh, route. I mean, that's kind of stuff like a normal random coach doesn't know to even talk about. And I'm telling you this right now, Mike McDaniel is ballsy to tell Tua that he's going to look back and say him being hired. One of the best things that happened in Tua's career. This is going to be one of the best things that happened in Gene Waddle's career because Wes Welker, the things he's going to learn from him top notch. 
And, and it's funny because Wes Welker, when he was with us, was always, uh, you know, he was a, a certain other white receiver type, right? You know, oh, and that never became the Wes Welker type. I started thinking about it, Chris. Jalen Waddle is very similar to Wes Welker in terms of their build uh, and their shiftiness. I mean, I think Jalen's uh, a better athlete and, and much faster, but there's a lot of similarities there to what you talked about. Wes Welker is going to do wonders for Jalen Waddle. And I want to bring up a quote that was just brought up. Um, uh, by by Mike McDaniel on Dan Levitard, uh, basically paraphrasing again here, Chris, but he basically said, I would start Jalen Waddell on my fantasy team next season. And that right there, Mike McDaniel telling the world that Jalen Waddell should be in your starting lineup. I think Jalen Waddell is going to do just fine in this offense going forward. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's not going to be, I mean, he had a fantastic year. I don't think it's going to be much of a drop off. The only thing to drop off of is we add more talent around him for two of the spread it around. But that guy is an absolute baller and a player for Mike McDaniel come out the first week. That's the second time he named you off the waddle. There's definitely, he looked at some of our talent and like, you know, talk about licking your chops. He named dropped waddle in the uh, press conference too. Um, so for him to do that, FaceTime to a, he, he's very knowledgeable on what knows our roster. And I think he's one of those guys. Um, it's like, you know, when you when you play Madden, right? And, and your friends go pick random teams. You can't pick your favorite team. And you're going through and every time you switch from team to team, what do you think about? Who are the stars on that team, right? Who do I want to play with? Who do I want to throw to? Ooh, oh, yeah, the Chiefs have Tyreek Hill and Kelsey. Oh, the Bengals with Jamar Chase and uh, – um, uh, Higgins, you know, Joe Mixon. That's why Mike McDaniel's looking at our roster to be the head coach. Ooh, I got Waddle. I got Tua. I got Gasecki. There's Christian Wilkins. That guy looks fun. You know, Javon Holland had a hell of a year. And you just start thinking about the pieces you can play with. Like, but this is real life. So yeah. for him to seem so giddy and talk about it like that makes makes you excited as a fan. Yeah. Now, what we don't know so far, and this, these are the pieces that still need to fall into place. Who is going to be the offensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins? I know Curtis Johnson from the Saints has interviewed for it. Uh, there was the Another guy, former head coach. Yep. And then we had um, uh, the gentleman from the Atlanta Falcons, who's uh, coached quarterbacks and running backs in his career. Actually, uh, really uh, 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 responsible for Cord- Corderell Patterson becoming a running back after a wide receiver for so many years. Who's by the way, a free agent going into this year. Um, and we also don't know who the offensive line coach is going to be. I can't imagine we're keeping anybody uh, from the yeah. Brian Flores era as, as, as the line coach for the Miami dolphins. So those two pieces have yet to drop, have not put into, have not been put into place yet, but I'm excited about what he's doing in the offensive side of the ball. Wes Welker, John Embry, uh, keeping Ryan, uh, 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 Eric Studisville as the running backs coach, basically demoting him saying, don't worry about the play calling. Don't worry about coordination. I got that. I'll take care of that. You just make sure that miles Gaskin can, you know, run and find the hole in our zone blocking scheme. Um, so I'm excited. I, I like what he's done with the defensive side of the ball. Hey, I don't need to change too many things. If I got people here that don't want to be here, I'm going to get rid of them and bring in people that do want to be here. I'm going to trust Josh Boyer uh, to, to make this defense run the way it's supposed to be run, ran. And I'm going to focus on making sure I got the best offensive staff that can communicate with these guys and untap that potential that has, or tap that potential, I should say, that hasn't been tapped quite yet. So uh, I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm not in love with every single pick so far that they've done, but um, you know, we'll just leave special teams out of this for now. Yeah. It's, it's like a perfect world scenario, right? Defense is good enough. I can handle the offense, keep that staff and then bring guys I'm familiar with to work together, to collaborate and make this offense the best it could be. I mean, it literally, um, if like all things considered, if you think about it like that, with Flores being a defensive genius and us using two offensive coordinators and Charlie Fry, like, 
if this was in place, we were probably 11 or 12 win team last year and we go to the playoffs. So um, very exciting. He was asked uh, at the press conference about taking over a winning team. Most, most new coaches aren't doing that. Um, so he's a huge head start. And I think how he broke up the coaching staff hires uh, complement that and, and prove he thinks the same. Yeah, man, this is weird. Uh, given everything that's been going on here, Chris, we've had nothing but uh, good news on this episode of, of Perfect Bill. Uh, I'm a Libra, which means we believe in balance, which means when we come back from this commercial break, we're going to have to balance this out a little bit because we got a little bit of bad news. Um, it's actually big bad news, but we're going to talk about that as soon as we come back right after these words. Citizens of Perfectville, I ask you this question. What's more important than peace of mind? <laughs> nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for to give you peace of mind while you're online. And with all the threats that you face today on the internet, it is more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either. And plans start at under $4 per month. That's right, under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. That's right, 70% off plus an additional month for free. That is insane. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So head to nordvpn.com slash believe and secure your online presence. All right, segment number three, Sam, Chris. Actually, Chris, Sam. I did that backwards. If you uh, are watching the video that I won't release, you'll see that I'm pointing at Chris when I say Sam and pointing at myself when I say Chris. Anyway, welcome to Perfect Bill, Sam, Chris. Believe Podcast Network. We've been talking about Mike McDaniel. We've been talking about the staff. We're talking about the excitement going into the 2022 season. Uh, but there's a bit of bad news here, Chris, and that has to do with a former player who uh, was robbed yet again of his rightful place in Canton, Ohio. And of course, we're talking about Zach Thomas, not a part of the 2022 Hall of Fame class. Uh, I'm pretty pissed off about this, uh, mainly because I'm looking at the future classes and it looks daunting for Zach Thomas to get in next year and the year after that. And then we start getting into Ben Roethlisberger and Tom Brady and all these guys in a couple more years after that. Um, I think this was his best shot and I hope I'm wrong, but I think this was his best shot to get in, um, in, in quite a few, quite a long time because the people that got in, in front of him, uh, it's bullshit. And I know we're going to talk about it, but uh, let everybody know how you feel. Um, Really, it hurt, dude. Like, really, I mean, when you when your favorite player has done everything to, uh, to earn that accolade, um, he played the game the right way. He played in an era with um, just stud linebackers in the same position, Erlacher, Lewis, Brooks. And he was not as big as them. He was not as fast as them. He was not a high draft pick with those expectations coming in. And for him to have those numbers that are close uh, or the same or better than some better of those guys, in some cases, yeah. how is he not in? Like it just, uh, and usually it's not too bad. You can make the excuse of, well, Troy Palomalu was pretty good. You know, this guy was really good. Leroy Butler, yeah. Sam Mills, Tony Baselli. I mean, Tony Baselli, a, a rookie NFL contract, Sam is five years. 
That means that's the bare minimum you're going to get from a rookie, the five-year contract. He played seven and went to the Hall of Fame. Are yeah. you kidding me? No. It, like, Sam yeah, Mills, it, look at the numbers. Zach Thomas has 600 more tackles than him, more interceptions. And he, he went in because he's dead? He's been dead. It, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, the, the fact that Zach Thomas has been passed over when Jason Taylor went and those that's the duo, man, of those 2000s uh, Dolphins. I think the only thing I can think of is he was not good with the media or something, which I know that's not the case. He was just too quiet. He retired and went off in the sunset, had kids, and he's not on TV. He's not on radio. He's not doing interviews. He's just Zach Thomas' dad, husband, and that might be hurting him. I just don't understand it. There's, there's eight guys from the Miami Dolphins past that I feel need to be in the Hall of Fame. Mark Duper, Mark Clayton, Patrick Sertan, Sam Madison. You can make the case as to why those four are not. And I don't agree with you, but I would accept it. And then you've got some other guys. Richmond Webb, absolutely, 100% should be in the Hall of Fame. The guy was on the all-decade team for the 90s. This is the guy who stopped Bruce Smith from murdering Dan Marino multiple times, twice a season. I mean, the fact that Bruce Smith is singing praises about Tony Baselli and not Richmond Webb made my stomach crawl. It really did. And Richmond Webb is way too nice of a guy to ever say anything like that. But that's the fact I saw Bruce Smith and I was like, wait a minute, did Richmond Webb somehow jump in here? Cause that's the only thing that makes sense. And it didn't, it didn't make any sense. Tony Baselli being in the hall of fame is a joke. And it actually kind of just makes that achievement less for everybody else who actually is in the hall of fame, quite frankly. No, I mean, look, congratulations, Tony Baselli. You made it, but you made it because the Jacksonville Jaguars have nobody in the hall of fame and they were desperate to put somebody in there. And you're the closest thing to a hall of famer they've ever had hall of fame talent, not a hall of fame career. If Tony Baselli's in the hall of fame, Jake long should be in the fucking hall of fame. Simple as that. It's the same goddamn career. Quite frankly, Florida four-time pro bowler. I mean, it's the exact same career. There is no reason you can justify Tony Baselli over Richmond Webb, And you certainly cannot justify Tony Baselli over Zach freaking Thomas. And as soon as I saw Sam Mills, Chris, as soon as I saw Sam Mills, I went, Zach's not getting in. I could tell they weren't going to do it. And it's, and it's how the hall of fame actually, you only get five. The maximum you can have is five from modern day. The minimum is five. That means five people are going into the hall of fame in the current day, even if they don't deserve it. And this class is reason why that's a bullshit way to do it because Leroy Butler, about Leroy Butler, Leroy Butler like he, got in because he, he created the Lambo leap. Chris, that's why he, he jumped got over it. a wall. He jumped, he jumped over, over a wall. wall. That's it. And he won a super bowl, but he's not the one who won the super bowl, but I get it. So Leroy Butler, sure. Fine. Whatever. You're in the hall of fame. Congratulations to you. Tony Baselli gets in because nobody on the Jacksonville Jaguars have ever been good enough to get into the hall of fame. Congratulations, Tony Baselli. You're in. Sam Mills, you said it. I'm going to double down. He got in because he died. And it's a sad story that he died. And he was a great player. I'm a fan of people named Sam for the most part, other than Darnold. But he isn't a Hall of Famer if you look at his stats and you put him up against Zach Thomas. If you want to put Sam Mills in for being a great human being, for being you know a, a player and a coach and just an all-around good NFL citizen, I'm fine with that. That makes all the sense in the world to me. I'm not saying exclude these guys. I'm saying if you're going to put them in, you've got some homework to do because there's some people here in South Florida that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. And number one on that list is Zach freaking Thomas. And here's the problem. There is a bias against Miami Dolphins players. We've heard that from players. We've heard that from journalists. Miami Dolphins never went to the Super Bowl when Zach Thomas was here. 
But again, Jason Taylor made it and he was on that same defense. So that argument really doesn't hold weight with me if anybody were to come to me and say that. Number three, he did play with Ray Lewis and Brian Urlacher. And the problem with that is that, yes, his stats are the same, but nobody looks at him and goes, well, that's the guy I'm picking out of these three. And quite frankly, you should be. They're because, already in. And, he, they're in. and Here's he got why. rookie of the year. He got all pro. He got pro bowl. So, so it's not like he didn't have the accolades to go Chris, with it. So you're talking about a room full of Omar Kelly level intellect in that room. True. Okay. You got a bunch of stupid assholes in that room that go, well, he's not tall like Brian Urlacher. He's not fast like Ray Lewis. He doesn't deserve to be in when they should be looking at it. The exact opposite. He isn't tall like Brian Urlacher. He isn't fast like Ray Lewis and his stats are just as good, if not better than those two guys. So yeah, Brian Urlacher, Ray Lewis in. were first round picks. It was expected for them to be exactly. great. Zach Thomas exactly. is a fifth rounder that came in one rookie of the year and dominated for 12 plus seasons. Like he went a, against the grain i mean of course those guys were hall of famers they were supposed to be they were drafted to be um, and the people coming at me on twitter with he never won a super bowl there's 53 fucking guys on a roster he's wearing a ball cap on the sideline as jp either throws an interception or, or linda mari misses a kick he has no control over that the hall of fame is the individual bust of a player it's about his individual career and on those bad teams he still stood out Against Tom Brady, his entire almost his entire career in that division. I mean, just playing in South Florida on clay on the field and making tackles. It's absolutely ludicrous that he did not get put in the Hall of Fame in this class specifically, but really at all. Jim Kelly didn't win a Super Bowl. Bruce Smith didn't win a Super Bowl. Tory Holt did win a Super Bowl and he didn't go in. So obviously yeah. that's not the criteria. So it's ridiculous. No, it, it, it is. And it, it, here's here's my strategy. I'm kind of half joking about this. There is a bias against the Dolphins players. Maybe we can get a Dallas Cowboys writer next year to stump for Zach Thomas. Maybe we just highlight the fact that he was on the Cowboys for one season, Chris, and everyone goes, what? A Cowboy? He's in 100%. There's such a bias for the Dallas Cowboys. They didn't even put anybody else up for defensive rookie of the year. They just gave it to Micah Parsons, which, by the way, is the right move. Don't get me wrong, but... You couldn't at least make it a little bit of a, you know, maybe put Javon Holland out there. He was pretty damn good for the Miami Dolphins. Now, just give it to Michael. He's a cowboy. He's winning regardless. It, I'm so infuriated with this whole process that I do. I sincerely hope. I hope this is what happens. I hope at some point in the near future, people come to their senses and Richmond Webb and Zach Thomas get in on the same year. I hope you get Richmond Webb and you get Zach Thomas both get into the hall and they both go, no, I'm sorry. Miss me with that shit. And they just decline to go in. It'll never happen, but that is my hope as I hope they just put the middle fingers up right to the pro football hall of fame and say, we don't need it because they don't, we know they're hall of famers. It's just, it's, it's tragic that he, that he missed. That's a, that's a perfect way to say it. Cause they're going to wait till the dude's fucking dead. He's not even going to you know, experience it and enjoy it. He deserves it while he's still in the prime of his life to be celebrated, to go on stage and give speeches. The kid was ran over as a baby by a truck and fucking lived. And, you know, is, comes in a rookie of the year uh, and literally ends the career of the Jaguars. Former Jack coach, Del Rio. Jack Del Rio. And uh, ends up playing just an unbelievable career. Um, I, I think it's just telling when Kevin Mawai in his Hall of Fame speech brings up 54 from the Miami Dolphins, Zach Thomas, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady mention him by name on a national TV syndicate of Monday Night Football before the votes are cast. And they still doesn't get respect of these fucking nerds that type on a typewriter about football, a sport they never played in their life. 
you know, a Skip Bayless and a Woody Page are making these fucking decisions. And the guys that played on the lines with him want him to be in the Hall of Fame and they refuse to do it. It's absolutely unacceptable. Yeah. And, and it's sad that, uh, you know, we, we almost have to wait for him to die, like you said, before he probably gets his just due, because that's not fair to anybody. And the fact that people like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, probably the two, you know, most famous and best, you know, quarterbacks of this era uh, have come out and said he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, the fact that they have to campaign is, is bullshit enough, but maybe that's what needs to happen. Maybe a lot of these players just need it's to come just out. It's sad that that's still not even enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I know. It's not like we're getting radio silence and it's just like, you know, Troy Drayton is coming out saying it. It's fucking Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and Kevin Mawai, three Hall of Famers that played offense in a division against Zach Thomas twice a year for years, and they demand him in the NFL, the smartest, brightest minds in the game. And here's Woody Page. Let's put in John Elway's grandson. Like, it's just absolutely ridiculous. I, I just, I, I can't, I want to vomit. It, well, it's so furious. Well, last word on this. Number one, very good Woody Page impression. Number two, uh, I happen to know Troy Drayton a little bit. So I will, uh, I will demand that he come out and stop. I cannot stump. believe that is the first random name I thought of. But yeah, I love Troy Drayton. <laughs> uh, but total yeah. random name. Talk about uh, like just a storage unit of. Memories, my Troy, Troy Drayton was a former uh, Rams tight end before he came to the Miami Dolphins, if I'm not mistaken, which leads us to the last thing here, Chris. We are contractually obligated, I believe. They called me the other day and said, you need to do this. Um, but I'd like to know anyways, Sunday is the Super Bowl. Who do you got? The Cincinnati Bengals or the Los Angeles Rams? Who wins and by how much? Congrats by both teams. Like really cool, fun games during the playoffs. Two different teams. That just it's no Tom Brady, no Peyton Manning, no Ben Roethlisberger. It's fresh, it's new, it's in Los Angeles. I've been watching the pre stuff like on NFL Network all week. It's been fabulous, just superstars, actors, palm trees, beautiful weather, amazing stadium. That SoFi Stadium is yeah. insane. It's like a UFO, and uh, just two fun stories, right? Joe Burrow, second year of his career, coming off you know a ACL torn, blown knee playing with his former college teammate he won a national championship with. On the other side is Matthew Stafford, who was in purgatory in Detroit his entire career, couldn't win a one playoff game, and now he's in the Super Bowl with the Rams and McVay, who just had the sourness of losing from a few years ago. Uh, veterans galore, great defenses. I think it's going to be such a fun game with an awesome halftime show. Um, and I think it's just going to be too much for the Bengals. They're, they're young. It's their first time here. Um, other than Zach Taylor, that team does not know what it's like to lose. Um, and I think the Rams are going to pull this one off and it's going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be back and forth for a little bit. And then the Rams are going to just, Aaron Donald's going to pin his ear back, ears back and take this one over. When he walked off that field, pointing at his finger, ring finger, like time to go get that fucking ship. There's no one that's going to block him when he's that motivated. It's going to be 34 to 20 Rams. Who becomes the MVP of the Super Bowl for you? Aaron Donald. He's going to end the game on a walk-off sack something to where they go fucking ballistic. It's just going to be – I mean, come on. Joe Burrow got sacked nine times by the Titans. See, like, I mean, they don't have Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd and Von Miller. It's going to be – he's going to be running for his life, but he's going to get the ball out quick. It's going to be a good one. 
Yeah, I uh, the, the only line from the NFL Honors Night that I liked was that the halftime show, which is Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Bly, Kendrick Lamar, and Eminem, is just like the Los Angeles Rams. A bunch of talented dudes and one white guy from Detroit. And uh, I thought that was the best line of the night because that is exactly what, oh God, I died. I was like, that's a really, really good line. Um, but, uh, you know, that Rams team is stacked. I, I already came out and gave a, a prediction that it's going to be the Cincinnati Bengals. It's the year of the Tiger, the LSU Tigers connection between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And of course, the Cincinnati Bengals, it seems like the stars are aligning. I always root for the AFC as long as it's not an AFC East team for the most part. Um, so I'm going to stick with the Cincinnati Bengals, but in my heart, I think the Rams are taking this game, but uh, I heard I'd like to be, you know, opposite of you. So we have something to talk about next week, but, uh, I hope it's a good game. I, I think that I, since I want Bengals, uh, I'm going to go, uh, 34, 31, um, Ooh. and I'm going to go, the you know, what? I'm going to go. The- the field goal, huh? The rookie? Uh, no, I'm going to go that they do, uh, you know, they're going to be, it's going to be 27 31. And there's actually, let's go 33 27. I'm going to change from 34 33 to 27. Walk off touchdown from Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase. Joe oh. Burrow is your AFC and Super Bowl MVP. That'd be a fun one, man. This is the coolest thing. Like last year, I was rooting uh, for Tom Brady to get, you know, the yeah. championship away from too. Belichick. Exactly. Um, this year, there's I, I don't really have – I like both teams. Both coaches are cool. Both quarterbacks are cool. Like, I, so that's what makes it so fun for me, especially on Monday off, is that I'm just going to watch it and enjoy the shit out of it. And who, whatever happens, happens. Like, it's yeah. just going to be so much fun. As a Dodger fan, I am rooting for Matt Stafford because it's Clayton Kershaw – Matt Stafford grew up together in Texas, both playing football and baseball. Yeah. Yeah. So seeing Matt Stafford come to LA and possibly win a championship a year after Clayton Kershaw finally did it himself with the Los Angeles Dodgers would be a lot of fun as well, but I'm just looking for a good game. I'm looking for, uh, you know, here's the, here's the part that kicks me right in the nuts here, Chris. And I will just end with this because again, bad news, both of these teams, the Miami Dolphins beat last year. He beat and the Rams and the Bengals. <laughs> we beat the Rams pretty bad. They so, had here in golf, but still, it's uh, uh, yeah. That, I mean, how how brutal for the Packers? They beat both teams this year. Yeah. They beat both the teams this year. Uh, I mean, we're that close, Sam. I think that's let's end on a good that's, note. We're that close. The Bengals were the worst team in football two years ago, and here they are in a big show. We already got a good team. We bring it in, McDaniel. I'm pumped, dude. I think the future is super fucking bright for us, man. I'm I'm so excited. Well, Miami, Mike. As he said to everybody on the plane, if you're not if you're not stacked if you're not stoked about the, I already fucked up the quote. Just check your pulse, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, Chris, anything else you want to say? If you're not fired up, check your pulse. I think that's what he said. I'll edit that out. Uh, anything else you'd like to say before we get out of here? Have a good uh, Super Bowl weekend, buddy. Everyone have a fun, reckless Super Bowl weekend. And on behalf of Chris Cullen, Sam Marku, and the entire Believe Podcast Network, only thing left to say is. Goodbye from Perfectville. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.